Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And of course, we've got a, as I think I'll say off the top, a bittersweet episode. This one is going to be focused all on LaMarcus Aldrich, a surprising announcement of his retirement. We focus on first the personal side of it and how, how we feel about someone as young as Aldrich having this experience and making sure that he's going to be healthy going forward in his life. We take a look at his career overall and kind of the landscape of the NBA during his tenure in the league and the way that things shifted and how he looked to adapt his game to fit that NBA. And then on the back end of it, the least important piece from our standpoint is what does it mean for the Brooklyn Nets going forward? We'll talk about it a little bit, rotations and and where some of these minutes may go. But ultimately, This is about LaMarcus Aldrich, a 15-year member of the NBA family, hanging it up under uh, unfortunate circumstances, but thankfully ones where he's going to get to go ahead and enjoy his retirement, enjoy the rest of his life without having to worry about anything on the health side of the landscape. And before we get into it all, it's the theme music. You are locked on Nets. Your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. I'm Doug Norrie, owner-operator, DFSR. Dot com got you covered for all of your DFS needs, FanDuel and DraftKings. Well, a little burp in there. And that is Adam Armbrecht. He is the voice <laughs> of the Brooklyn Nets over on Sportscaster. He's also the host of the One Giant podcast covering the New York football giants. Buddy, how are we doing? Emergency, a little bit of an emergency podcast style here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm doing well. I hope that the, the digestion is working for you. But you know, kind of a bittersweet episode to hop on for. I don't yep. want to overstate it. We're going to get into the, the the Nets kind of angle of this, but just bittersweet whenever a player of LaMarcus Aldrich's stature in the NBA landscape has a an abrupt and surprising retirement from the NBA. Yeah, if you are tuning in here, you've either read the title of the episode or seen it on Twitter or seen it on the news or just followed something along the lines of what's happened here. A very, very surprising announcement on Thursday morning, we so depending on when you hear this, I'm not exactly sure when we're going to release this. So, but we're recording this uh, Thursday afternoon. Thursday morning, there is a Shams bomb that's followed quickly by you know everybody else uh, that reports on this stuff that Lamarcus Aldridge was going to retire. And I actually had to do a double take when I first read it because my initial reaction was I didn't read the whole tweet. I'm sure I missed the part where he said I'm going to retire after the season. Right. And I, and that was my, that was my initial, oh, this will be my last season. Let's, I hope this goes well with the Nets. No, that's not the case. He is uh, retiring effective immediately based on uh, health issues. So let me go through real quick. I'm going to read, I'm not going to read the entire statement here by LaMarcus Aldridge because it was long. He gave a really long, 
thoughtful letter that he just sort of released to whoever would read it, basically, as by way of announcement. Um, He said, my last game I played while dealing with an irregular heartbeat. Later on that night, my rhythm got even worse, which really worried me uh, even more. He just goes on to talk about what he um, what he did the next morning and with the team and then goes on. he said, with that being said, I've made the difficult decision to retire from the NBA for 15 years. Uh, I put basketball first, and now it's time to put my health and family first. And then he goes on uh, in sort of in, in a continued um, heartfelt and very personal message. So that is the news that comes out here with LaMarcus Aldridge. And I, I, I there's no other reaction to have to this. To st- there's lots of team-related reactions, which we're going to get to much, much, much later, if not just you know at some other time. But Obviously, when you hear this, your first reaction as a person every single time should be, I hope LaMarcus Aldridge is okay. And to understand that when, like anything, when he says this is the hardest decision in his life, you you have to just believe it because you don't become a professional athlete without living, eating, breathing. And I was going to say the last thing people usually say, but I don't want to in this case, um, the sport of basketball. And so I'm sure that based on the severity of this, that this was that there's no hyperbole when he says this was probably the most difficult decision of his life. And I'm glad that they figured something out and it wasn't something much worse. Yeah. You know, you say it like, you know, in his statement there, he mentions it being one of the scariest things that he's ever experienced. So, you know, you probably wonder at this point of his career, if it's easier or more difficult to make the decision to step away. Right. Because, he gets bought out by the San Antonio Spurs, as we know. He, he comes to Brooklyn, and it feels like it's it's in the vein of wanting to be a contributor on a championship team and and hopefully being able to accomplish that goal. So, you know, I I'd like to think that it was a easy choice when you when you think about health, right, and, and wanting to do well. But a, another player that did come to mind in this, not not to take away from Aldridge at all, but it was Chris Bosh. Right, he dealt with yeah. with a health issue that he tried to fight through. By the way, the NBA kind of told him, "You you can't, we can't allow you to do it because we can't run the risk of something happening." And I don't know what the severity could have been for Aldrich if he chose to keep playing, but I'd like to think that it was both difficult in the moment and a relief to say, "Hey, the, everything that I have poured into the sport of basketball is almost." easy and will be a relief to be away from if it means I don't have to have this type of experience ever again, um, you know, on or off the basketball court. So, you know, from that standpoint, like you say, I hope he's just happy and healthy in retirement and, you know, get, he just gets to kind of sit back and enjoy it from afar. I, you know, I'm sure there's be, there'll be other things for him in his life that he'll get to, to really sink all of that energy into without having any risk to his health. Look, one thing you rarely ever hear uh, a professional athlete say is they're scared. That is just yeah. not a word that comes out of professional athletes' mouths because they they put their bodies in the line. You know, some sports more than others, but for sure, like they are pushing their bodies to the absolute max. There's again no other way you can do it unless to become a professional athlete. Pretty much is to push yourself well beyond what nearly anybody in the world can comprehend. Right? Like it's you know comparing people that compare themselves to professional athletes clearly have no idea. I'm not going to try to do it myself, so I'm, I'm that's not the point I'm going to try to make. But what I will say is that. What you don't hear, like I said, from these guys is to say they were scared about something. Because when it comes to their body, I I suspect the only thing they're typically scared about is when, and you sometimes see this happen on the basketball court, 
where they get hurt and you can see them kind of just taking stock of their body quickly, right? <laughs> like they're saying to themselves, am I okay? Is my knee okay? Are my ankles okay? Can I get up? You know, I'm just going to take, I'm going to give myself a second here. But you still never hear them say they were scared because that's just not part of the mentality of a professional athlete. You can't make it to this point unless you have full confidence in everything that in your abilities. Sometimes these people, sometimes professional athletes have more confidence in their actual abilities. Again, that's why they're there. <laughs> like <laughs> right. this is right. this is why they've made it this far is because their mindset is totally different. So that was actually the word that just stuck out to me more than anything. And like I said, mostly because you don't hear that, and it's a to say you're scared is a very vulnerable moment for anybody, no matter the situation. Mm. To admit that you were scared about something is to admit ultimate vulnerability, whether it was warranted or not, right? And, you know, people will try to pass it off. Or, but, but if you admit that you were, if it's, again, it's you were, you're at your most vulnerable because you were very worried about your own personal safety, your family, whatever it is that makes you scared. So it was just interesting to hear that. I'm glad there was honesty around that because um, I think it's a good I think it's a good um, example for others to say, hey, there are certain things you need not push through, right? <laughs> like there are certain things that if you feel yep. scared and if you feel worried about your health, um, that's tantamount to anything else. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ha- in that way, I'm happy for the decision because it was clearly made out of – it was clearly a difficult one, but it was also – clearly the correct one based on the the feelings and just obviously the medical piece yeah and he has you know he has two sons as well you know and it's funny i, I was just when i was holding up his stats and things like that you know, just wondering oh where was his career at when it was over and, and then i quickly ended up on into the personal area of it but the first he was born in 1985 it's the same year that i was born so i you know to put it in the context of if i felt something irregular like that and like you say, I'm never going to be able to compare myself to what it is to be a professional athlete, but just the idea, like he's a young guy, he's old in basketball terms. And I always think that about athletes in general, yeah. right? Oh, by the time you're 35 to 40, you know, oh boy, he's certainly, he's getting long in the tooth. What are these guys going to do after they retire? Well, yeah, everyone else retires in their sixties and seventies, not in their thirties. So he's still a really young man. And I think to, to touch back onto the injury piece of it, even though the heart is a muscle, just like anything else, athletes look at ankles and elbows and legs and limbs as being these mechanical pieces, I feel like, to, to what makes them up and makes them a part of their game. When you say heart, when you say, you know, internal mechanism, I think that that rings completely, completely different for an athlete and for an individual as well, but especially for these guys, because that's something that you probably don't feel like, oh, I can get treatment after the game for this. I can, you know, do right. extra extra exercises and stretches to strengthen the muscles around it. No, this is something that that just exists in you and potentially you didn't know about prior and you may not know when it may present itself again a- as an issue. So, uh, again, yeah, you know, Mar- Marcus Aldridge for being the exact same age as me, uh Ring, rings true in terms of boy that would scare me if i experienced that you know tomorrow in my life i would say you and lamarcus aldridge have a pretty uh um similar life trajectories wouldn't you say like i think that was a pretty apt comparison <laughs> we had a weird back and forth at the start of his career we said he's a kid from texas i'm a guy from new jersey and i just we got together and at the, you know at the time about to go he was about to go pro i thought i was going to and listen our path it was a different paths i still ended up we're still involved and around the nba together obviously but just yeah a little, slight slight difference I'm sure he'd consider you up here. We're going to talk a little bit more about LaMarcus Aldridge here in a second. First, going to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar. You know Built Bar. Absolute best tasting and best for you 
protein bar out there on the market. Best tasting because the flavors on the Built Bar are clearly just completely ridiculous. They were able to do a 64-flavor bracket challenge where they lined up all the different Built Bars against each other. And you can do that when you just have full confidence in your brand, full confidence in the flavors, full confidence that these things are nothing but good for you. Salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee, almond, not ice cream flavors, folks. Protein bar flavors. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. That are, those are some of the stats on Built Bar. Get your hands on Built Bar now by going to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. LOCKED, just like our podcast network, 15 for that percentage. LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar.com. And if you want to get all that sports news that you need in under 20 minutes, you got to be listening to the Locked On Today podcast. It's host Peter Bukowski, and he's giving you those updates on all the latest news from every major sport with help from all of our local experts on the Locked On Network. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. So the other thing then that I think you know comes to mind once you say he's healthy, he's clear, by the way, in a statement he mentioned the Brooklyn Nets who have always been you know, very player focused as far as injuries said that they, they were very helpful in getting him to the right medical attention and, you know, figuring out what was going on within his body. But then you do think about his career, right? And he, he also mentioned in the post, uh, thanks to the Portland Trailblazers for taking a chance on a skinny kid from Texas. Would I just, again, NBA players, even the even the Kevin Durant's of the world are still enormous human beings. Do you, do you have any overarching thoughts on his career? Because I think the first thing that came to mind was this is a guy that spans two versions of the NBA, right? What he was when he came in versus where the NBA ended up now at the time of his retirement is such different landscapes that I think he his style of play, his type of play was really being phased out in a lot of ways. Yeah, so he gets drafted in 2006. It was part of a deal. It was technically drafted by Chicago, but traded to Portland because that was the pick they wanted. So I'm um, not going to go through all those pieces. <laughs> I always think it's funny when you say he took a chance on him. He was the second overall pick. This wasn't like the, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> now they, they, Just a got, dart. Throwing a dart, hoping it sticks. He got drafted behind uh, Andrea Bargnani, whoopsie daisies, uh, for that pick. But um, <laughs> it's, it's funny about, um, it is funny because he is actually, so for, for a couple things, one, he's one of the few guys left from that draft class. This is a really weird draft. It ended up, there's a lot of health stuff in this draft class. Uh, it really ends up being pretty bad on paper when you look at the sort of trajectories for a lot of these guys. He's easily the best player that came out of this draft. Uh, other guys that are still around just for context, J.J. Redick is still in the league. Rudy Gay is still in the league. Uh, Fabo kind of was in the league, but not really. And then I, these are, oh, Rondo too. Uh, Rondo's in this one. Oh, Lowry. So that, you know, there's some deeper stuff here. It's, it gets better as a draft goes on. Uh, in general, I'd probably say it's probably between him and Lowry in terms of who the very best is from the draft. Overall, pretty weak. But when you say from a different era, he clearly was. I mean, he was drafted as a power forward, a post-up power forward, which he was very good at, at a time when that is something you sort of needed. It's before the proliferation of the three ball. And so you were still banging bodies in the post. And so a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge, his post kills, which were excellent, 
um, really could flourish in the NBA. The turnaround jumper, his uh, his release is very high, so he's actually even able to play sort of above his size. Um, you know, now he's a, a stretch five, but remember, this is a time where if you were a smaller four, he could really, really give you problems. And so he really made his bones on low post basketball, which again is how the NBA was rolling during this time, so it made total sense. Now, during this time, it switched on him in a way that, you know, some guys were a little quicker to kind of pick up on this and and shift their game. He was moving in this direction as he got later in his career because he kind of had to, which is to say extending beyond the arc. And it was always one of these things with him where he was actually really good at hitting long twos. And so I think people thought the translation would come a little faster with just, hey, take two two and a half steps back and just make it a three instead. And it still just did take a little bit of time, but he was clearly working toward it in the sense that he had taken more than three three three-pointer attempts per season over the last three and was actually knocking him down in the mid-30s, which for a guy his size is actually good at that point. Like he had made... He had made the transition um, later in his career. I think if it was going to take a knock, and I hate to do it now, it's probably happened like two years later than it should have or something like that. But um, that's really neither here nor there. He would have still been in San Antonio. So uh, you're totally right about him straddling this two different versions of basketball and getting to the point where this signing was probably going to help the Nets um, in the end because he had, I'm only saying the Nets piece just to say he had sort of realize that that the movement toward stretching it out a little more and he was he had the ability to do it and it's a testament to him to be able to say hey I played basketball my whole life one way and kind of overnight you need me to play another way and that's was hard for players of that generation he was able to do it uh, ultimately in the end yeah, the, the the sheer fact that you have the the baseline ability, athletic, and, and I know it's every NBA player, every professional athlete is an insane athletic person, and also not every player can do it, right? Shaquille O'Neal wasn't going to drop fifty pounds and step out beyond the arc if if things had transitioned away from him at some point during his career. So the fact that Aldridge had the ability to make that transition is certainly something that's pretty impressive. I think you're probably right; could have happened a little bit sooner when you look back and think. You know, the bulk of his career with the Trailblazers is is played under Nate McMillan. He's there when when Dame gets drafted. It's, you know, towards the back end of his time. But there's a handful, you know, three appearances while he was with Portland, uh, knocked out in the first round, uh, Rockets, Suns, Mavericks in terms of opponents. And I'm trying to remember if that, if that 0-10-11 year with the Mavericks, if I can recall whether or not that's a... Uh, what year that was for the Mavericks as far as their playoff run. But did, did you see anything in this as far as... You know, then he gets to the Spurs. They lose a handful of games. Is he a player that suffered from not having the right number two or that he needed to be the number two in support of a legitimate star? And it's not it's not a knock on his career. It's just more about when you look at a player like this, I, I always think, man, if he had gone to this team or if he had had this player with him, what maybe would they have been able to accomplish? Does any of that come to mind for you with him, especially when you think about a team like Portland who, even beyond his time there, continues to be a team that always seems to be soundly built and also unable to to achieve maybe what on paper we think they're capable of? Yeah, look, he was a great basketball player. He was probably not not overall in the top 10 um best players in the league I don't think when it whenever it's time that's not a knock on him you you know he's he's a he was a great player I think I think in general see I think sometimes 
players are unfairly criticized because they well first of all so first the first thing is like did you win a championship okay that's that to me it doesn't make any sense because you only get one a year and LeBron and Steph have basically won all of them for the last little bit here so like I don't really know like what with like one Kawhi thing in there but the right shame on you don't play in errors with some of the best basketball players of all time and that's kind of what it is right (laughs) and that's like that's well that's kind of where I'm going with this because then the 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 um like what you're compared against is really is really not fair. So you could say this about ninety nine point nine 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 percent of basketball players that unless they just happen to be on the team with Steph or LeBron over these, <laughs> over these last or I guess Durant in there too uh, over these last few se- like you know not even few seasons many seasons now and then before that it was kind of like all the Spurs you know like this was just a lot of a, a lot of just sort of repeated teams that were going in there because that's just kind of what happens with the NBA. I'll say that, you know, in terms of where he stands, he's not a Hall of Famer, but he is when you think back, it, it, he'll clearly be one of these guys like, you know, when you when you think back at LaMarcus Aldridge, would you be like, was he a really, was he awesome? Yeah, there was a time when in Portland he was really awesome. He was a max player. He, yeah. ended up, he ends up leaving there because I think he saw Portland as kind of deciding on choosing Dame as the path forward in terms of like who the face of the franchise was going to be. Uh, that's not a referendum whether that was correct or not. That's just what they did, and then he moved on. So I think like his his career probably gets a little clouded from that situation. But in general, the overall takeaway is when you look at this guy, you're going to say – it's one of the last few th- sort of throwback big fours that we had in the league that got really paid based on a low low post game, and that's because he was really really awesome at that thing, right? Like he was so yeah. awesome at this one at this one piece of the game that it was still worth it, kind of, to pay him, even though the game was sort of moving in a different direction because he was one of the few elite guys left that when we're talking about like you know low post touches that he was still getting that you could kind of count on. This is before, you know, because now it's like Embiid and who else? Like that's really who all the, no one else gets low post touches anymore uh, on a consistent basis. And he was one of these last sort of like holdover guys. And that's kind of how I remember him. And I wish, like the, you know, the, we're going to talk about the Nets thing here in a second. I do wish that we be able to see this, the, 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 the late career arc for him move in this logical place of where I think it was going, which was probably something like, him making a long playoff run and playing really meaningful minutes for the Nets and it just doesn't end up happening and I'll always you know consider him to be yeah this one of these last vestiges of the old guard of basketball which really had a place for a long time until the three-pointer broke it but that's no no fault of LaMarcus Aldridge yeah and in top 50 all time in terms of uh, NBA points scored you know 47th on that list you mentioned Hall of Fame by basketball uh basketballreference.com standards he has just over a 50 50 shot of making it he's 121st on the overall list which includes past and current players in the league he's right in the wheelhouse of a of a Blake Griffin by the way who's at 119 on this Clay Thompson at 118 and just behind him a guy a former net like Joe Johnson there as well and you know so I I think you're right it's probably a toss-up but I, I think as we've seen on social media as well now there are those conversations around when can he get that moment with the Portland Trailblazers and maybe have his number retired there I I don't know if that's even a piece worth getting into as far as what what he meant to the overall franchise of the Portland Trailblazers historically that should be done I think I think that he should that that that's a no-brainer to me I mean not being this isn't locked on Portland Trailblazers but um We'll send a message to what they say about. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear what they say about. It. Okay, well, let's talk. We're going to talk a little bit here at the end about um, where this leaves the Nets in terms of their front court because that is uh, also something that needs to be considered in the wake of this news. First, have to talk to you about our friends over at BetOnline.ag, number one place 
to get in all of your betting action. BetOnline.ag. He's got it all every single night. NBA odds, MLB, NHL. What a great time of year for sports. BetOnline has you covered all across the board. Maybe it's not even sports you want to get a little action on. Reality TV, award shows. They got you covered there too. Every prop you could ever imagine. Some you would never even been able to imagine. You just go sort through some of them. You're going to go find them. That's what's available for you at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website. Sign up today. You can do that for free. But if you make a deposit, and we think you will, make sure you use the promo code Locked On because they're going to give you a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. 50% welcome bonus. Have to use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And of course, get more analysis on the top prospects available in the upcoming NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. That's scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. So as you say, now if we think about it from the standpoint of the Brooklyn Nets, obviously he he was brought in, LaMarcus Aldrich, to take over. And we saw that as soon as he got in there and was inserted into the starting lineup to take over that five role, uh, you know, basically sent DeAndre Jordan into DNP mode on the bench here. Do you... How do you see this impacting the Nets, really? Do you think that they're going to, again, be active in the free agent, you know, free agents that might be out there, just warm bodies to try to test over these last? Now we're under 20 games left in the regular season. So, you know, the implementation of another new player may not necessarily be as viable uh, as it was at the, you know, the trade deadline and looking at the buyout market. What do you think the Nets are going to do here? And it does make me think back to just one podcast ago where I was trying to find some positives around DJ's game. Maybe we need to go back and revisit and and see how positive we can get on him because that feels like the most logical thing. The guy with the experience, the guy with familiarity, you put him back in and and you're going to live with the results. Yeah, look, I, I don't think this changes their championship odds too much. So I don't think that that's um, – I'm not concerned about it from there. It's better to have him than not at this point. So I think that goes without saying. Like you'd rather have LaMarcus Aldridge on the team right now than not have him. And that, that, strictly from a basketball thing, right? It's like I don't think that's mm-hmm. – I think that compared to what is – you know, what else is here on the roster, I think that's a pretty much a no-brainer statement. Now that, you know, you could talk about where – you know, he sort of landed in terms of overall minutes and all that other stuff. That's a different question, but the whether or not compared to the rest of the team, you want him on the team, I think the answer is yes. Like I read that news and once I was able to move past the medical and the, you know, overall human thing, I was like, oh, that was it hurts the team a little bit. I'm just, this is why we're waiting until you know, 25 minutes into the podcast to even talk about this, because I don't think this is the most important part, obviously. But um I think what happens now is clearly we're going to see more DeAndre Jordan like we saw here against. And there was a little clearer reason about why that happened because of the Embiid thing the other night. So I think that was a little one for one. I'm not sure he Mm -hmm. enters the starting lineup. There's probably a chance we see Blake Griffin starting at center now would be my guess. Um, I think that's where they're going to go next. He's the closest approximation to what they were trying to get with LaMarcus. So I think that's what they'll go. Or they'll just do something like, hey, some games you start – some games DeAndre starts depending on the matchup and who else we have. So I think we could see things changing. I don't think we get Claxton in the starting lineup, but I'm not sure. It probably opens up the world for some experimentation around that. Our, we, our plan had been to talk about Nick Claxton's game and how at least I, I get we didn't talk about too much. I, we just said we were going to talk about it. And I, my thing was that it, I felt like he was taking some steps backwards here. But the 
I'm wondering if we do get him mixed into the mix here. I think what we're going to see is from here on out, where it had been looking very clear, like when he was with the group, that we were probably going to get something like 25 plus minutes a game out of LaMarcus Aldridge at the center. I don't think any one player is going to come in and play. Like, I think that was going to be a consistent thing for him going forward. I don't think there's that that is going to be a consistent thing for anybody else that they begin slotting in here. I think it is going to be mix and match time based on the matchups. Uh, I don't know. That's my opinion. What do you, what do you think happens here? That's, that's kind of what I think is going to happen. It's not me even hedging a bet. I just think that no one else has really stood out as someone that they feel like they want to play tons that they clearly wanted to do with Aldridge from the first day he stepped in the uniform. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because, again, a little bit of management around for coming back from injury for for Kevin Durant. We know that Harden's still out. So, you know, I think if, if everyone else was 100% healthy right now, maybe I would see, you know, we always talked about even before Aldrich was brought in, this idea of, well, maybe the Nets are just going to lean into being a smaller a smaller team that's going to absolutely brutalize you offensively, and then you're going to live with things that happen on the defensive end. So if you had everybody healthy, like, so, for example, I do wonder come playoff time, what's the best construction of this roster? And that would make me think, well, and you're right, and we will get into it next week around Claxton's game. But, you know, you'd think, well, maybe you put Claxton out there. Maybe you go with Jeff Green is going to get a bigger minute share just yep. because of what he is offensively and the flexibility defensively. And you just say, we're going to live with the with the defensive switches and sometimes bigger teams are going to have a field day with us. So be it, because this is the best balance that our roster can, can create. And I do think you're right, too. I, I don't see any one player automatically getting that big of a minute share with consistency, short, again, of them just saying, you know, Blake Griffin doesn't have the ability to see a big uptick in minutes or the the downside offensively of Claxton prohibits us from getting the advantage of having him on the defensive end. Because you saw him even in, in this past game, he still is showcasing so, so much talent on the defensive side of the ball. And it's just a shame that the Nets may not get that sample size with full strength, full health, where you say... Well, what does it look like with Claxton at the five and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving yeah. and James Harden and Joe Harris, right? If you could get that sample, then maybe you would lean into Claxton, but I don't know if you're ever going to have enough to say we can we can fully put our strength behind that. And and frankly, Jeff Green has been one of the more consistent players at the four or five position for the Nets all season long. Yeah, and I should clarify something with Claxton. I was really only talking about his offensive game. It wasn't the defense. Yes, it yeah, was yeah. His offensive reads um, were looking really like... He was a little gun shy. Again, that's for a different day. So we'll say we'll we'll, yeah. we'll chamber that one. I do know. Look, they play the Hornets Friday night. The Hornets are not a team that are going to punish you uh, really anyway. They started Bismack Biombo last game. They have Cody Zeller, PJ Washington. Sometimes starts at the five. This is all to say I don't think it matters who the Nets start at the five in this scenario. <laughs> that's kind of I'm giving. which is I think where DJ gets a handful of starts here down the stretch because I think there's going to be a handful of games like that where it really doesn't matter who you start at the five. Yeah, and this one's even easier than other ones with Bion- if if Biombo is, is starting because he's not going to do anything to anybody. So um, I, I just they, they can they can just have a rock fight underneath. That's basically their games are. Exactly Exactly the same in that way. So the uh, I, I don't think this next game tells us too much about what happens. I do think that yeah, like I said, I think it's going to be mix and match. I think it's going to be based on the scenario. I think we could see them going back to this. You start in name only, and you don't play it through. They've done, a lot of other teams have chosen at times to do this with centers, where it's like, hey, you get the start and you end up playing 14 minutes total. Right, like it's yep. a, you play the first five minutes of each half, and then we figure out what's going on the rest of the way, 
as you know as the matchups and the rotations come. We could see something like that. I wouldn't be shocked. Like if that if it was DJ, that's where I would think it would probably sort of start to trend because they have those other guys like Green. Because there's who can play small ball five. Because they have Durant, who actually does help a lot in making up some of that length um, defensively. Even if the body's not huge, the length is at least there. Uh, they have Blake there. They have Claxton. I think they'll be able to mix and match it along the way. So all this to say, I think we'll learn we'll, we'll learn a little bit about this over the next couple games. I don't want to say we're going to learn too much this next one because I don't think this current iteration of the Nets. Uh, we're not really in learn anything mode <laughs> right now about the Nets. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> I think we're in maintenance mode around the Nets, and I think that's become clear just around general conversations. Uh, with uh, learning something mode being when and if I guess at this point they get fully healthy. All right, we will be back again. Uh, I think. Well, I think we'll probably be back next week. There's some chance we're back later in the week uh, with a double pod. Give you an extra podcast possibly this week. I'm not, I don't want to make that a promise. Bonus but there's pod. A pod- there's a possibility of it because this one kind of came out a little bit emergency style. In the meantime, you know how to help rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Five stars or bust. Maybe let, write a nice little review. You out there, you're a good writer. You, listener, you, you know how to write. You know a wordsmith. Go craft some words for a little five-star <laughs> review for the podcast wherever you listen. really helps put some wind in our download sales. Uh, rate and review wherever you listen. 19.4 points per game and 8.2 rebounds over 1,029 regular season appearances. I'm thankful for everything this game has given me, the great memories, including all the ups and downs and the friendships I've made that I will keep with me forever. LaMarcus Aldrich, thank you for the brief time in Brooklyn and overall for your time in the NBA. One of the great basketball poets. We'll be back again either tomorrow or maybe next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.